0: Fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This
1: is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it, man. Hey, it's so great to have you with us. Kicking off a brand new year, baby. It's 2024. And I'm here to tell you that, man, already the politics has jumped in two feet in already. Head first. Head first. However you want to look at it, we have a lot to break down, a lot to get to to start off a brand new week. But before we do, hopefully you had a wonderful New Year's weekend. What are your New Year's resolutions? I have plenty on my list to do at home. I have them written down, and I will be looking at them every day, and hopefully I don't give up on them. And that's like, you know, the whole traditional getting healthy and getting back in shape a little bit, eating a little bit healthier. The traditional, but at the same time, we have a lot of other cool really stuff that, Uh, really cool things we're working on as well moving forward for the long term for the career for the program for what we do here each and every day really happy and excited about it more to come on those a little bit later what did you do on new year's weekend i have to tell you i don't do this very often but you know what i did over the weekend and yesterday for the for the day off i did absolutely nothing nothing winning whatsoever i think i watched like two movies yesterday I actually, in the last two weeks, I actually took a nap one of the days. I don't remember what day it was, but I took a nap one of those days. I don't remember the last time I was able to do that since, like, I don't know, we had a little one with little voice of reason. But nonetheless, man, which, by the way, she is extremely popular. Saturday, she says, hey, I want to go over to a friend's house. She goes over to a friend's house. Sunday, New Year's Eve night, she's like, Hey, can the friend come over and stay with us on New Year's night? Okay, sure. So she goes from being over there to having the friend come over here. Monday, she goes, Oh, hey, we don't go back to school till Wednesday. Can I go back over to the friend's house again? Goes over to the friend's house. I never see the kid anymore. I never see it. right when she's starting to be cool to hang out with now. I, I never get to see her anymore. So kind of a bummer dad moment there, kind of sad for the, for the dad guy. <laughs> kind of bummed for the dad moment is uh, now she's so popular she gets to go hang out with everybody else. Doesn't want to hang out with mom and dad. I don't know why. I told her that when she starts going out and, you know, go shopping and go to the movies with her friends that, you know, mom and dad may or may not be there as well just to hang out. Because we're going to be so cool and she's going to think that we're so cool that she's going to want us to be with her all the time when she's out hanging with her friends, especially when she has a boyfriend. God forbid that ever happen anytime soon. And when she has a boyfriend, then dad obviously will be there just to enjoy the movie. No other particular reason just to enjoy the same movie. Because, again, Little Voice of Reason is going to be so excited that dad uh, is going to be there because she's not going to leave our sides. That's the story that I'm sticking to it. Welcome into the program. Happy 2024. It is crazy how the time flies right on by, but we are ready to roll. And this is going to be a big year. We have, if you did not get it, our newsletter came out earlier yesterday. If you didn't sign up, sign up. Who's your reason.com? And you can get the newsletter each and every month. You can see the blog that posted as well. It did also post as an op ed piece with OpsLens.com, which you can go and check those guys out. Great partners that does our video stream here on the program and their great website with all their goodies. All right, coming up on the program, Wayne Weingarten. He'll be joining us. He's from the Pacific Research Institute. We've had him on the program before. We're going to talk about going into this new year. We have a major federal budget conversation coming up here in the next few weeks. January 19th is when phase one of the continuing resolution ends. And uh, the beginning of February is when phase two ends. Will we be ready for the budget by that time? Will we be fiscally ready to pass the 12 appropriation bills and have a federal budget by the end of that time? If not, what does that look like? And what money are we hanging on to? Because apparently right now we're sitting on COVID-19 relief funds that have not been spent from the federal government that were allotted for covid And now we're spending them on other things. So, a Merry Christmas to the federal government and all your great little particular programs you like to spend on during the holidays. So, we'll get to that here coming up in just a little bit. But right out of the gate, man, there's no time for us to rest, no time for us to slowly ease our way back into this. I know 2024 is going to be a major year, obviously, with the elections, but it's bigger than that. And they've already hit the ground running right out of the gate with the what's trending story of the day. What's trending today as Karine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary for the Biden administration out and about doing a media blast today, talking to numerous different outlets. And it's funny because I get it. I know when you're doing a media blast, you're trying to get a particular agenda out. So you kind of repeat the same talking points on every news outlet that you do. But if you're going to do it, could you at least do it in a somewhat concise manner? Because, man, she was all over the place earlier today. This one was on George Stephanopoulos earlier talking about the Biden success and why Joe Biden is for some reason down in the polls compared to Donald Trump in the early part of the year into election season. If you
2: think about the last three years, this president has accomplished more in three years than any other president has been able to do in two terms. And so we saw the data coming out of uh, last year on the economy and Bidenomics and how it's working. If you think about 14 million jobs created, you see unemployment at under 4% in 22 months. You see gas prices going down. It's under three bucks in 28 states. Those things matter and that's incredibly important. And so we're hoping what we want to do is continue to focus on Bidenomics and continue on lowering up costs and prices for the American people. Look, the president, after coming out of the State of the Union, he talked about uh, he talked about finishing up the job, right? And he, what he meant by that is uh, continuing to work for veterans, right? and Making sure we do the work that we need to do there. Working on uh, 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 public health issues like cancer and other important, critical, key in, in, things that American people care about. Whether it's Roe, making Roe the wo- law of the land, and continuing to work on gun violence. Our young people, kids, are the are, <laughs> when it comes to gun violence guns are the, the 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 leading killer of our kids so we're going to continue to do that work and that's going to be our focus in the upcoming
1: year the focus for the upcoming year the main media blast uh, kareem jean-pierre all over the media on numerous different outlets today talking really about the same topics which can we just admit can we throw that into the biden basement comments there because that was a really stupid comment to make let's do it
0: let's go into the biden basement
1: Doesn't make any sense with what she talked about, but that's the priority, apparently, for the Biden administration. Now, as I mentioned, that was on George Stephanopoulos earlier this morning. Shortly after that, she sat down with CNN's Audie Cornish. Never heard of her. But saying essentially, well, I, I don't know. I guess the same thing. But
2: just a step back, you know, this president has done more in three years than any <laughs> other president has done in two terms, and that is important here, Audie. If you think about uh, the legislation that deals with infrastructure, the roads and 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 uh, and and tunnels that are now are going to be really uh, dealt with in a real way. You think about the Chips and Science Act. You think about beating Big Pharma and lowering prescription drugs. When you think about how seniors and others were paying thirty-five bucks uh, a Month, uh, 35, or not paying 35 bucks, uh, our seniors are going to be paying that when they were paying 200 bucks a month. That matters. That is going to go a long way. And so as we head into the new year, last year and out of the state of the union, the president talked about finishing the job. And so the president's going to continue to work on the economy. He's going to continue to making sure that we're lowering prescription drugs. Let's not forget making Marie, let role, me jump in uh, the the law of the land as well.
1: The law of the land. Yeah, okay. So I get it. I get it. I get it. I've had those interviews as well. A big national name comes out. They come up with a book and they do their media hits and they just do the same talking points. And if you notice with this program, when we do interview individuals like that, they may give us relatively the same answers, but I try to phrase questions that are just a little bit different than everybody else. A lot of times, and this is kind of the back behind the scenes for media, both radio and TV, that when you get a guest and a high-profile guest at that, a lot of times they will send you talking points on what to ask. This is what they want to talk about. This is what the point that they're trying to get to. This is what they want you to ask them. Now, I do. I will be the very first one to admit, I do not follow those talking points. I never even look at them when they send them to me. And in fact, I get asked, what are you going to ask them? And my response is... I will ask them the general topic of what we're talking about, but I don't have anything in particular. We're just going to kind of roll with it because that's the way I like on the show. I want it to be natural. I want it to be organic, and I don't like the scripted talking points. I cannot do scripts. If you look behind the scenes and you watch the video feed, I have my points here where I have my bullet points on what I want to mention, and that's about it. Outside of that, we free flow on the show because I don't like it scripted. It's very unnatural, and I can't read it. I would be a horrible president because I can't read a teleprompter because it would look so robotic and ridiculous. I get that you have talking points that you go down. But if you're going to do it, Kareem Jean-Pierre, KGP, could you at least do it in a relatively concise manner because you were all over the place and even regurgitating the same talking points, you can't get your uh, your your topics out concisely and clearly for us to understand. Now, the CNN host, this Audie Cornish, did interrupt her a little bit to talk about some of the macro issues. Like, oh, that's nice, but what about the major issues that we're trying to focus on right now?
2: You alluded to some kitchen table issues, drug prices for one. Also, housing is another issue. Education is another issue. The student loan um, issue was not something addressed by the White House in the end in a comprehensive way, according to many young voters. Are you going to try to finish those jobs in particular? So I'm just going to take a – let me just uh, deal with the student loan issue for a second. Look, the president put forth a plan. He wanted to keep his promise on dealing with the student loan debt. That is really crushing families across the country. And he took steps, even though he, um, the plan that he put forth was stopped uh, Do you certainly think that uh, that... by folks in Congress.
1: Okay, you... hold on. We're going to stop right there. Andy, why are you talking about student loans? There's a few different reasons right now. With legislative sessions in your state government's – launching here in the next couple of weeks, wherever you may be, there is a lot of focus on what that agenda is going to be. And there are two topical issues, both that are concisely with the state governments and at the federal government that are, becoming priorities that I think are going to turn into how can we buy off the next generation in the upcoming election season because Democrats are desperate for votes. They're losing the black vote with ongoing crimes in certain communities. They're seeing more reputation with Donald Trump because Donald Trump's being persecuted the way that they feel they have been throughout the generations here in the country. They're losing the the Hispanic vote because they have not been harsh enough on immigration trying to crack down the cartels coming into the country, illegals coming into the country, and the Hispanic populations, particularly ones that are near the borders on the southern end of the country, are more upset with Democrats than what they ever have been before. They're losing the women vote because Democrats are essentially telling them that anybody could be a woman and then dominate their industry that they've worked so hard to accomplish. They're losing their core demographics as a Democrat party, so they have to find someone new. And that someone new is the young generation that is so impressionable, so easy to buy off, so easy to give something away for. And that number one issue is student loans. The number two issue is minimum wage. Which apparently there are a massive number of states that are pushing this now uh, as kind of a orchestrated effort among different states and Democrats all over the country that are trying to push to raise minimum wage because of so many that are coming uh, coming out of college with student loans, getting a minimum wage job, and not being able to afford living. Which is why you see so many kids going back home, living in their parents' basement, and the story goes on. So there are two major issues that are kicking off this year that are really interesting, which is the student loan problem and the minimum wage problem, which there's not really a minimum wage problem that we'll get to in just a moment. But now student loans back on the docket here. And this CNN anchor, Audie Cornish, talking, well, you know, the Biden administration's been talking a good talk about student loans. But what have you really done? And will this actually work to win over the young generation? But do you no, think wait, that wait, that, that me, argument? Just...
2: Well, I want to just jump in here because no, no, there is no, an issue I'm, with no, young voters. And I want to yeah, make but... because they have heard from you that essentially this is something the yeah. president has tried to do. And do you think that over time they start to feel yeah. like trying isn't enough? No, but what I was going to say, what I was going to finish in saying is that the president, even though his plan was stopped, he was able to take action. And we were able to uh, we were able to uh, get rid of about one hundred and thirty billion dollars of debt. Uh, More than that, for millions, millions of folks across the country. That matters.
1: That matters. Yeah, we're getting rid of all the student loan debt that matters. We were able to just wipe it off the face of the earth. It doesn't exist. These aren't the droids you're looking for any longer. Right. It just poof disappeared. We just forgave it. Now, that's not really the case. It actually got absorbed into the federal debt that we're dealing with. So you as the taxpayer that may not have had student loans, or maybe you are paying off your student loans, or maybe you did pay off your student loans already, or paid your kids' student loans off, that you now have absorbed that debt with that national debt and deficit that we're dealing with. But nonetheless, they dealt with that issue, and they're winning over those young voters, relieving them from that stress. Is it really going to win them over? We'll do some of that when we come back. It's a Tuesday. Welcome back into it. Happy 2024 here on The Voice of Reason.
0: This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is The Voice of Reason
1: with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into the program. So wonderful to have you back with us here. Happy 2024. It's going to be back behind the microphone and so many things to talk about as we get back into the swing of things because it's going to be a big win this year. Winning. I mean, we're going to be huge. And I think we're going to make it bigly. That's what we do on the show each and every day. So we have two major, which I'm honestly surprised because they kind of dipped and kind of dropped the whole Bidenomics thing for a while and they realize they have nothing else to run on. So they're trying to revive it again. Let us have some more time. We didn't quite get all of our agenda. Remember what the socialists always say is that socialism never really failed. We were just never able to make a pure enough uh, form of socialism for it to succeed. When you have a blending of quasi-socialism, quasi-capitalism, quasi-free markets, quasi-government control, to them, they say, well, that just means that we haven't gone pure enough. If you just go further down the road, then all of a sudden it would work. And that's kind of the argument that KJP continued to talk about in her media blast that she did earlier today, was that if you just go further with the Bidenomics, if you just allow it to kind of just, you know, just sit there and just kind of marinate a little bit, it'll work great. We haven't had much time for it to actually work, but it's been working for the past three years. It's getting better, and it will continue to get better if you allow us just to keep doing our own thing. That's the tactic that they have taken for the 2024 campaigns. And the two major issues which, shockingly, at least for the moment right now, are not social issues regarding abortion pills or the LGBTQ garbage that they like to push. Their main focus right now is economic issues, the Bidenomics, and we need to do something about student loans. We have shown action on student loans. What kind of action, honestly, do we need on student loans? Well, it's it's bearing down and weighing heavy on student loan takers, the students that are trying to go to college. True. Okay, what do we do about it? Well, let's just forgive it. That would be the wrong direction to go because, like usual, we never actually address the real problem. The real problem is that colleges are trying to charge too much damn money for programs that aren't necessarily that big. Imagine this, if you will. As we mentioned, this leads into the to the minimum wage debate right now. There are multiple states, and actually, according to CNN, states that are going to be addressing minimum wage in their state for the legislative session of 2024. Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Rhode Island, South Dakota, Vermont, and Washington along with Washington, D.C. That's like half the nation. That If I just I counted on my fingers at that time, I think that was like 22 or 23. That's half the, half the nation right there wanting to address it. in Kansas, where I'm coming from, uh, they just made an announcement. They have their bill prepared as well to raise minimum wage here in the state of Kansas. Half the nation wanting to raise minimum wage. Why? Well, there's so many students coming out of college that have $30,000, $50,000 in student loan debt. They can't get jobs. They have to get minimum wage jobs. And they can't afford to raise their families on minimum wage there's so many things wrong with that with that statement that it makes my brain hurt a little bit. Number 1, if we have a student loan problem, maybe we could we should reconsider what the value of a student loan actually is to the return on investment when you come out of college. Just throwing that out there. If you're not making the money to be able to pay off that student loan, then either there's a, it's a bad career choice because there's no jobs in that market or the student loan is too damn high and therefore it's not worth the investment to go and get that student loan to go into that career field. One or the other. Number two, let's remember that minimum wage is not supposed to be a wage that you live off of. It is not supposed to be a livable wage. You're not supposed to live a healthy lifestyle on it. You're not supposed to take care of an entire family on a minimum wage job. Minimum wage jobs, the entry-level position, is supposed to cut your teeth in an industry so you can work up. You're supposed to do it while you're in school. You're supposed to be doing it while maybe you're getting back on your feet after something happened. You're supposed to be doing it while you're starting in an entry-level to get into an industry to work your way up to where you can make it a livable wage minimum wage is not supposed to be lived on and we've forgotten that mindset because now apparently you're supposed to have a house and a car and a family and everything by working these entry-level jobs and never work your way up any further than that that's not the intention of this the basic premise is completely shot and that's why we're seeing such havoc on the economy moving forward we're on this when we come back stay here
0: this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy
1: Hoosier. John Wright, it is. Welcome back into the program. Moving through a post-Monday, first broadcast of 2024. So wonderful to have you with us here. You can find us all over our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. No I in Hoosier, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. Also our website at HoosierReason.com. Sign up for the newsletter. You missed it this week or this month. We'll have it again on the first part of February, but sign up. You can read the blog on there. You can check out all the great content. We have more content coming on the website for the new year, along with some other really, really, really cool stuff. So don't miss any of that. We'll have more information on it here in just a little bit. So real quick to wrap up the program regarding student loans, minimum wage. There is an interesting bill that was passed apparently that is taking effect now that people can uh, take advantage of, and it is kind of an interesting bill. Have to do some more research on it. It almost, and I'm, I'm scare myself saying this because it came from the federal government. So I hate to say that it's actually a good bill. I, <laughs> I don't know. I scare myself when I say that they're actually doing something decent. Is it the end of the world? Is the apocalypse happening already?
0: We're all gonna die because of you. Yeah. So <laughs> uh,
1: there is a bill that was passed, known as the Secure 2.0, uh, the Secure 2.0 bill, regarding student loans that allows in the private sector, which is why it's a little weird to me the private sector, for your employer to match your funds regarding a 401k. So when you're paying into student loans, they can match the amount of money that you pay into student loans. They can match it in contributions to a 401k. Now, I would be okay with a bill like that. Again, I need to know more details on the bill, but it sounds vaguely intriguing. Because, yes, look, I have $50,000 of student loan debt myself. And you can understand in the radio industry, I probably don't know if I really did the best return on investment in student loan investment for what I'm getting back uh, in an industry like radio and broadcasting. Nonetheless, I don't want the federal government to forgive my student loans. That is a bad idea. Who's responsible for that? Oh, I don't know. Maybe the person that signed up to take out that amount of money as a loan to pay them back, either a private student loan or a public student loan to the federal government. However... With those lack of funds, and I'm not saying we need to raise minimum wage, but if you're going to make student loan payments and can't contribute to a 401k, you should be on probably like a Dave Ramsey plan to be able to get out of debt, pay those student loans off, so that way you can contribute to a 401k. But if your employer chooses to partake in this program, then whatever you're paying in student loans, they can match to contribute into a 401k. That's kind of an interesting idea. Again, little scared to endorse something like that, but definitely an intriguing idea to look further into. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit, though.
0: What's trending today?
1: We'll get back to some of those uh, student loan minimum wage conversations here in just a little bit. But now that we're back at it, Congress heading back to Washington, D.C., and we have just weeks away until we see a federal budget potentially come to an end, the uh, continuing resolution that's coming to an end in Phase 1, January 19th, Phase 2, early February. What does that look like, and where are we at with our finances Not only with the federal budget, but with how much money we've allotted to certain projects that we haven't spent. Why haven't we spent it? What the heck are we doing with them? Excited to have back on the program. First guest for 2024. Really happy to have this guy on. He's the Senior Fellow of Economics for the Pacific Research Institute. Happy to have on here Mr. Wayne Weingarten. Wayne, how are you, my friend? Happy New Year.
3: Happy New Year to you. I'm well. How about
1: yourself? We are living the dream. I appreciate you jumping on here. It is a, I'm assuming, I can only anticipate that this year is going to be another major focus on economic issues. Karine Jean-Pierre focusing on Bidenomics saying, just give it more time, it'll totally work out. And we now have eight of our 12 appropriation bills passed in the House of Representatives, but we're weeks away from a continuing resolution ending. We're 30, what, two, 34, 35 trillion dollars in debt we have some economic priorities we need to focus on, and yet we just continue to spend money on certain pet projects, like it's still Christmas time, Wayne.
3: And that's that's been the problem is that we, we really do have important things we need to be spending money on, <clears throat> but instead of prioritizing, you know, what makes sense, what the government does well, they're, they're just throwing money around left and right. And one example came out the end of last year, and it just it so exemplifies the problem. Is that we all remember the $350 billion the government, the federal government, was going to spend to save state and local governments from COVID, right? Because apparently the, they were forcing the government, to, the government was forcing businesses to shut down. So there's no tax revenues for state and local government. So they'll come and save them. And they put aside $350 billion for this. Now, it turns out none of that money was needed. Yeah. But it also turns out that you can't spend $350 billion very quickly. And so about 90000000000 billion wasn't spent. Now, even though 90000000000 billion wasn't spent, and last time I checked, the COVID pandemic was over, the, <laughs> the Treasury is trying to change the rules, push back the deadline, so we have more time to spend $90 billion, <laughs> which state and local governments don't need, for the COVID epidemic pandemic. It
1: ended two years ago. Wow. Uh, First (laughs) off, I remember that money, and you're right. It was completely unnecessary. I talk with a lot of, uh, I mean, being based out of Wichita, Kansas here for my flagship station, uh, I talked to city council members, county commission, and they received... Just in Wichita, in the city of Wichita, Kansas, we received like $11 million in some of this funding, and they're like, we really don't know what to do with this money. We're trying to find projects that's not going to grow the size of government that's going to lead us to raise taxes once that money's over to maintain it. We don't really know what to do other than maybe improve a few things here and there. Same thing with the county level. It was unnecessary, and now you're saying there's $90 billion of it that's still left over. They're trying to figure out what to spend it on instead of just reappropriating it and trying to do something semi-responsible with it.
3: You could pay. Well, we have a, a trillion dollar deficit, so you could cut the deficit, you know, close to ten percent
1: <laughs> by just
3: you know, rescinding that money. Wow, <laughs> that would be a great use of those funds. Yeah, uh, you know, and and you're right. A lot of it was wasted because you can't spend that productively, especially because it's one time money for the for the states and and for the counties. And so you, you had them improving golf courses, buying golf carts. I mean, things that in in. Any time, but certainly, where we have these huge deficits, when there's all these priorities that need to be funded, when we have social security in dire straits, Medicare in dire straits, to be wasting that type of money it's 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 almost criminal.
1: It really is almost criminal. I seem to remember just last year when we talked about a potential hitting a debt ceiling in us having to raise the debt ceiling in order to cover, like, the last three months of the fiscal year that ended in October. That would have come in handy to some degree, and Kevin McCarthy tried to push for that at some point, didn't he? He,
3: he did. They've, they've been trying to push for um, rescinding this, exp- this money, and, and that's, that's the right thing to do. So the getting in the way of that, and that's, it's fiscal.
1: I think we lost him. That's Wayne Weingarten, Senior Fellow for Economics for the Pacific Research Institute. Yeah, I've seen to remember that conversation, and we have to give credit to Kevin McCarthy when he tried that uh, back in the day, which was to, hey, we're going to reappropriate some of those funds. Now, I did not realize how much money that was, $90 billion with a B for our radio listeners. That's a lot of money that's just sitting there. Out of the 300 and some odd billion, we've only used two-thirds of the actual COVID-19 relief funding that went to governments, And I ask you in your local community, If they did receive that, which I know they probably did to some degree, I'm curious on how much money they did spend and what they spent it on. Because I was very clear with a lot of the elected officials that we talked to at the local level here in Kansas where I come from. I was very clear with them and I asked them, what are we spending this money on and is it going to come back to bite us? Because a lot of governments don't think that way, obviously, for long-term goals. They're like, oh, great. Let's expand the force here. Let's hire on some new employees. Let's start doing this program. Let's create that program. Let's do something completely new and different. And then when that money runs out after that one-time spending, then all of a sudden we're hurting and we need to raise taxes just to maintain those funds. So uh, that was a big priority that we focused on at that time. I think we have Wayne back here. Wayne, do we got you?
3: We do. I was talking about conspiracies and then the uh, the phone disconnected. I'm so telling you, you. You do the
1: math on that one. Yeah, government's cutting us <laughs> off, man. They, they don't like what we're talking about here uh, because it is important. I did not realize that it was that much money. We are just saying the $90 billion. I mean, that's almost almost a third of what they had allotted for these, quote-unquote, bailouts from three years ago that we're still trying to find ways to fund. What is the reasoning, Wayne, for them to hold on to it, and especially Democrats to cling onto this so tightly for these programs that they need to find ways to spend it as opposed to just, you know what, maybe we can push it towards, I don't know, like you said, Social Security or the push for Medicaid expansion for states that haven't expanded that and even push for their social programs that I don't agree with but utilize it in a way that benefits them. Why haven't they done that?
3: that, That's a great question. and I, I, I think part of it is that it is a lot of work to try to reallocate that money and there's going to be rightly a push not to spend it. So if you believe that a bigger government is going to make improvement, this money has already been allocated. Let's not lose that opportunity. And so you're trying to put the best spin on it. It could very well be that this is their chance to spend it and they're not going to lose it.
1: Yeah. We're talking with Wayne Weingarten. He's Senior Fellow of Economics for the Pacific Research Institute. Wayne, I I mentioned at the end of last year and going into this year that I went in more optimistic this year than I have of a very long time for a few different reasons, but one of the main reasons was because now we have a Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, that literally walked away during the holidays uh, on Ukrainian funding specifically when the Democrats refused to come to the table in a serious manner regarding border security to partner that with the Ukrainian funding, which gives me hope and optimism that Republicans maybe, just maybe, might stand their ground on economic and budgetary issues when they try to pass like the aid appropriation bills they have so far with budget cuts and Democrats absolutely losing their mind. How optimistic, and we got just about 30 seconds before we have to take a break here, so we'll carry you on after the break, but how optimistic are you about Republicans fighting to actually do something minimally substantial to the federal budget and actually getting us back under control here?
3: I'm optimistic, one, for exactly what you just said, but the other reason is, you know, quite frankly, you know, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you start doing what's right, <laughs> and we're pretty close to hitting rock bottom, and so, you know, the emergency bells are, are sounding, and so there's a very strong reason, you know, the, the money's just not there, yeah. and this, you no longer have low interest rates to, to basically paper over the costs, mm. and so... I think we're going to get some fiscal control because we have
1: to. We have to. Yeah, there's no there's no way about it. There's no way around it. And while the Democrats may continue to try and put up their wall against some of these spending cuts in the appropriation bills we have passed, I don't know if they can win over the american public on that when we see i don't know biden inflation up near 20 percent over the past three years so we'll do that conversation when we come back what we can look at with the federal budget conversation moving forward and so much more it's wayne weingarten right back here on the voice of reason stay here the
0: voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. The voice of reason with
1: Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here for a Tuesday. Our first episode back from 2024. Did you see the headline? Apparently, finally, after all these years of all the memes and all of the times that we've had to constantly remind society, not meaning me or the program here, just you in general, that apparently, finally, finally, the Epstein travel list is going to be released to the public. Say what? I can only imagine what's going to be on there. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. <laughs> and apparently, according to BreitbartNews.com, that Bill Clinton is being unmasked in the court documents linked it to... Some of those visits in multiple cases. We already knew this information, but thanks for clarifying and, and confirming it for us. But, man, that's a way to kick off a brand new year. Finally, Jeffrey Epstein's list going to his private island will be released, at least in some degree, for the general public to view. We'll see what's on that list. Again, man, that's uh, that's an exciting one. Say what? I know. What a way to kick off the year. We're hanging out with Wayne Weingarten here. He's with the Pacific Research Institute as a senior fellow On economics, we're talking about the unspent COVID-19 fundulations from the federal government, what they're trying to spend those on, why they're trying to extend that, and what kind of financial situation that we're in. Wayne, you went into the break mentioning that right now there's nothing else we can do. We have to address the budget at the federal level because we don't have any more money. But yet we hear the Democrats say, oh, those eight appropriation bills the Republicans passed in the House – They have too many cuts. They're dead on arrival. The Biden administration threatening to veto those bills. Are we going to see a reasonable budget here or uh, are we going to cave or do you think we're going to go into a quote unquote, I guess they they pass it to where we can't really shut down the government, but at least see some substantial closures of certain agencies. I mean, what's the future hold over the next couple months, do you think? It's going
3: to be ugly. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of uh, back and forth, a lot of fights. The Democrats. They, they do. They want to expand government. They believe that a bigger government is going to, is going to be better government, uh, despite all the evidence to the contrary. And so they they are fighting for that. Uh, and so it, the, the Republicans, if they truly believe in smaller government, they're going to need to hold their ground. But there's just so much information out there that talks about the dangers. I mean, one thing that to me is shocking, and, and I think this is just the, the one statistic that just overwhelms me is that starting last year, we are now spending more on the interest payments on in our debt. It's the cost to service our debt, we spent 879 billion dollars, which is just, it's a mind-boggling sum. We only spent 819, 820 billion dollars on the Department of Defense. So we're now spending more servicing our debt than we are defending the nation. I mean, that's a core responsibility, and yet. You know, we're, we're at the point where we're going to start, you know, what economists say, crowding out, uh, you know, which means taking away the money from core functions in order to pay off the debt, uh, or not I'm sorry, not even pay off the debt, just pay the interest on the debt. Yeah. Uh, th- these, these are terrifying numbers, and they don't even take into account those long-term problems. So we really are getting to a point where um, people who believe in fiscal discipline have to stand firm because... The cost of not are just too high.
1: Well, then we take it to another level of the 12 appropriation bills that they pass are only 27 to 30 percent of the actual federal budget, meaning we could try and do some trimming around the edges here with the appropriations, and that's great, and we have to do that. But there's another 70% of the entire federal budget that is the social programs, Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and the WIC and SNAP programs and all these other things that we're not allowed to touch. In fact, we're not even allowed to slow the growth up because if we say, hey, maybe we should only grow it at 2% this year instead of 6%, then we get criticized of cutting it by 4% and wanting people to die in the streets. Like, this is the mindset that we have, and I don't know if that's going to get any better because we can't even talk about those situations without being accused of wanting people to die.
3: Yes, but the, the the language that we can't touch them that needs to change. We absolutely can't touch them. All we need to do is change the rules and have the political will, which is maybe a bridge <laughs> too far. But uh, that I mean, but the more we talk about it, the more we um, bring this up and make it that it, you can touch the third rail and not be. Uh, you know, lose your your house seat, lose your your know, senate seat, then they'll have the courage to be able to to make those changes. But yeah. people have to recognize exactly exactly what you said, which it's so confusing to most people. The idea that if instead of growing five percent a year, I say that spending grew four percent a year, only in Washington D.C. would you call that a one percent cut. Exactly. But that and and so they say, if I'm not going to let it grow five percent, I'm going to throw people out on the streets.
1: It's Meanwhile, insanity. we talk
3: about welfare. Yeah, we spent, what I think is about 40000 dollars a person yeah. on, uh, in, on income support payments.
1: Yeah, wait. I mean,
3: if you just gave somebody twenty thousand dollars, you could cut in half and probably help with a win-win situations.
1: Yeah, Wayne, I hate. To, yeah, I hate to get you off, my friend. We're at, we're out of time. Yeah, we're out of time. But it's a it's a great conversation. Hopefully, we see a little bit of political willpower going into an election year and a big one at that. Wayne, I appreciate it. We got to do it again here real soon. This is the voice reason I'm Indy Hoosier out of time, my friends. We'll see you on the radio for a Wednesday.